We have been waiting so, so long, and here we are with Iowa football just days away. Welcome to the Voice of College Football, Iowa. And, of course, uh, we've done this show now, as you can see in the banner, 57 consecutive weeks. This is one of those precious game weeks, though, and game one, week one of the 2022 season. We, of course, have Corey Brad on the line from the Hawkeye of the Storm. Hey, Corey, we made it. Mark, we made it, and uh, I'm going all homer today. I got the Iowa uh, attire on, and um, I'll tell you, as we get closer to Saturday, the more nervous I get because this is a this is a difficult game, and I had people that laughed at us when we talked about this game months ago about being a dangerous one. It is dangerous. Iowa, uh, Kirk Ferentz spoke to the media today, and uh, they are still depleted at wide receiver. Nico Bregani is definitely out this week. Keegan Johnson uh, uh, wrote down uh, Kirk's exact words in response to a question about Keegan's status. He said, and I quote, we'll see. So right now, Iowa has two walk-ons listed in the top four at wide receiver. Jack Johnson from Des Moines, and then, of course, uh, um, Alec Wick from Regina there in Iowa City. That's a that's a concern right now. Uh, now, hopefully those guys can can show their worth, prove their worth. Uh, as we've talked about, Alec Wick, very productive at Regina, but again, he's a walk-on and doesn't have the physical intangibles that a Keegan Johnson and Arlen Bruce or probably even a Nico Regani has. So I, it's it's this is going to be interesting. We're going to have uh, Matt Zimmer of the Argus Leader on here in a few minutes. He'll give us some more insight. Um, I was able to uh, listen back to Tyler Merriam, who's the play-by-play guy for South Dakota State, and get some insight from him. We had him on the show several months back. So uh, I can't believe it's game week. And and yesterday didn't quite feel like it was game week, Mark, because I don't know what it was about it, but man, today, it's a little bit cooler here now. It's in the 70s. It's been pretty steady 80s and 90s for the last couple of months, it feels like. It's in the 70s today. And although that's not quite what I consider football weather, it's closer. And man, it's, it's going to be here in just a few days. And of course, huge showdown. Thursday night in the Big Ten between the Nittany Lions and the Boilermakers. So football's officially back. Yeah, Iowa fans will want to keep an eye on that uh, showdown in West Lafayette. Um, could go a long way in, you know, that that first initial win, just as Northwestern was able to um, post this past uh, Saturday. Big win in division play for Northwestern for Purdue. Not a division game, but still a Big Ten win if they can get it and against one of the better opponents on their schedules. So, and Mark, it's the only, what I, I think you and I've talked about this. It's the only marquee game they have against an East opponent. So yes. Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Iowa all have two of the three uh, crossover games against one of the powers and Purdue just has one. So for any Iowa fan looking for something to do on Thursday, I'm telling you root for Penn state. It's a huge game. I don't care if it's week one, it's a massive game for the West race. And I've said it before, if Purdue wins that game there, they become my favorites in the West. They, they may, they may be my favorites already. I, we did some predictions on my podcast here this week and uh, I, I like Penn state in the West right now. Um, and you know, if they win that game, boy, it's going to be tough. But yeah, as far as I was concerned, they got their own problems to worry about. Cause that's a very, very talented South Dakota state team and a very well coached South Dakota state team. 
Yeah, and just one more note on Thursday. For rooting interest, of course, check out the game. But, um, hey, just if you want to watch a really good football game, I will be surprised if this is not a four-quarter game between Penn State and Purdue. I just expect it to be a phenomenal game. All right, uh, Corey, let's um, go through the last round of what we could consider talking season before they start playing on Saturday with uh, Kirk Ferentz, players, coaches, meeting with the media one last time before the season starts in earnest. Well, I mentioned uh, what Kirk said about Keegan Johnson. Um, he's listed on the depth chart. That doesn't necessarily mean he's going to play, um, but uh, Kirk made it clear that because Regani is not listed on the depth chart, he's definitely not playing. Um, he did confirm, Kirk did confirm today that David Davidkov is out for the season. Didn't expound on uh, the reason if it's directly related to a health issue, but uh, he joins Justin Britt and Jackson Ritter being out for the year, so that's unfortunate, um, but he had not been practicing at camp. Um, depth chart doesn't mean much. That's what I have on my my note here, and I had a feeling of that um, over the last couple of days since the Monday release, and there's a number of reasons for that. But one, basically because Kirk said today that uh, Jennings Dunker, who had been practicing at right guard throughout much of fall camp as this, uh, with the ones, he wasn't even listed on the depth chart, and somebody asked him about Jennings Dunker's health and Kirk basically said well yeah he's on the depth chart isn't he and they you know the media said no and he said well no I put him on there he's supposed to be on it so this is not like I do think the people who say that it means nothing are wrong as well because if you just completely throw out some baloney depth chart the Big Ten is going to eventually I I would think there are going to be repercussions because I don't think you can you can't deceive the other team to that extent so I don't think that Iowa's deliberately doing that, but I really don't think Kirk is that concerned with it. I said it before, Xavier Wampa not being listed, I think, is humorous because I think he's going to play a lot. And I don't know what the battle between Wampa and Reggie Bracey and Quinn Schulte has been like this fall at free safety, but I can tell you this, Xavier Wampa looked awful good in the open scrimmage at Kids Day. So he's going to play a lot. The kicking battle is still wide open, even though Blom is listed as the one. I think Drew, Drew Stevens will end up taking kickoffs. He's just got a bigger leg, so they'll both play, I'm sure. Um, but Kirk did imply that they they both have to prove themselves this week before a final decision is made uh, for field goals. And then the punt return duties, uh, Kirk was not willing to, to uh, tip his cap on on you know what direction they're going there. Is it going to be Arlen Bruce? Is it going to be Riley Moss? He mentioned Alec Wick. And those are really the three that Kirk zeroed in on. No mention of Caden Weijin, who's a Juco transfer who did it at the, the college level, returned punts and kicks successfully last year. Uh, that surprised me a bit because he's a guy who you could consider maybe to be a specialist, and certainly they're thin. You don't want to get a guy like Arlen Bruce hurt, but it doesn't seem like Kirk's too concerned with playing scared, which is, I guess, a good thing, but at the same time, it is a risk you're running. And then he mentioned uh, Leshawn and uh, um, Gavin Williams returning kicks potentially which was not a surprise so that's about it as far as uh, what i took from the the presser today um i mentioned Regan in the depth chart that was released yesterday I mentioned Regani being off it um mentioned uh, of course david cobb being off of it no real surprises anywhere else and i think again don't read into it too much because i think you're going to see young guys aaron graves is a guy who i think will play a lot that you know so not everybody can be listed on the depth chart when you're going nine or ten deep at a position like they are along the line Folks, we're all excited about football season back. You should also be excited about the possibility of saving money on your auto, home, or other insurance needs. 
we've suffered through some tough economic times in, in recent years. So the last year has been uh, difficult as well. There are families in need out there. So feel good about when you uh, sign up for your insurance at Gene Arthur Associates that you are also helping families and most importantly, those children who are in need as well. So go to www.jaainsurance.com. You see the link there in the chat. Get your instant quote on home, auto, motorcycle, boat, RV, renter's insurance, so many other insurance options there for business owners, life, health, dental, crime, and otherwise. It's all covered. Contact Gene Arthur Associates. We thank them so much for partnering with us. One out of every 10 quotes um, that, that are received there with a uh, vehicle of 2015 or newer get a discount on average of 28% according to the Smart Ride Instant. And um, so please check it out. There's also a huge possibility, again, that you can um, benefit uh, and then also benefit others by partnering with uh, Gene Arthur Associates there. And uh, I can, once again, the, um, the link is in the live chat. All right, super chat coming in here. Let's see what we've got. Mark's on the line, Mark Bowman. Thank you so much for being here. And thank you so much for the contribution, Mark. Since, since uh, Sam Laporta played some wide receiver in high school, would Iowa consider flexing him outside to help with that position? Uh, yes, and they will. Uh, they, they've been doing it throughout fall camp. They did it at the open scrimmage. Um, I, I think my, this is just my hunch. Um, I think that's a little bit overrated. Like, I don't think that that's the solution to Iowa's wide receiver problems. I don't think you can put a lumbering tight end. And, and granted, Sam Laporta is a very – good athlete. I'm, I'm guessing he's slightly faster than your average tight end, but we're talking about moving him to receiver. I don't think that's going to be a feature of the offense. I think they'll do it at times. Um, and, you know, the good news is, yeah, he's a, he's a very adequate pass uh, pass catcher and certainly knows how to run, run routes. He's probably Iowa's most important player to stay healthy on offense, quite frankly, because you lose him. Uh, what What other sure thing do you have in the offense right now, Mark? Besides Sam Laporta, I don't think there is an answer. And one other thing, I, we should we'd be remiss if we didn't bring up the quarterback position. Kirk said today um, that uh, it is set in stone that uh, Spencer Petrus is your starter. And um, Mark, I believe, you know, when the season ended last year, I told you pretty much when the season I was pining for Iowa to at least entertain the portal. But I've been telling you for months that that he was the starter, absolutely, and and so. I'm happy to be right on that. Not, not necessarily happy that's the decision. I don't know who, what the answer is, but um, but Spencer will will take the first snaps. And I believe uh, I believe we have Matt Zimmer of the Argus Leader on the phone. Matt, can you hear me? Yeah. Appreciate you joining us, sir. You got uh, Mark Rogers, the voice of college football, and Corey Brada here. We're talking uh, Iowa and South Dakota State. You, of course, covered the Jackrabbits closely up there in the uh, great state of South Dakota. What's the feel around uh, campus and around the program right now as we get set for a, a battle this Saturday? Uh, excitement. You know, uh, South Dakota State is still relatively new to this Division One thing. You know, it's been about 20 years. And uh, because of that, a lot of people – around here, you know, are Hawkeye fans or Gopher fans or Husker fans. 
because they didn't have a Division One team before. So um, there's still a, a lot of people around who still have sort of their their major college favorite team, and then and then SDSU or USC or whatever. And uh, so this is a rare opportunity. Obviously, it's never happened before. Um, and everyone, you know, I think who hasn't been to Kinnick Stadium has heard about it. They understand what Hawkeye football is about and, and the tradition. And, you know, they're, they're getting to see their team go play a team that, that they've seen play on ABC, play on ESPN, and, and they know what they're getting into. And, and I think there's some excitement to see how the Jackrabbits will perform because, as you guys know, they've been a very good program at their level. And the very best teams at the FCS level have shown that they can play with teams like this. So I think there's a lot of intrigue and excitement um, maybe a little nervousness because obviously they know what, what, you know, the challenge that's at hand here. Um, but, but it has the potential to be really exciting and, and memorable Saturday. Do they feel like they can win Matt? Um, I think the players and coaches feel like they can win. You know, you, you wouldn't really have much of a chance if you didn't believe that you can. He's been in this situation several times and they usually don't win. They have, two wins all time against an FBS team. One was against a Kansas team that went 0 and 12. And the other one was against a Colorado state team last year that went three and nine. So playing a team like Iowa, the defending big 10 West champions, that's a whole nother deal. And in games like that, uh, the Jacks have typically competed. Uh, they played a ranked TCU team a few years back, had a lead late in the third quarter, early fourth quarter. TCU ended up pulling away. Uh, just a few years ago, they uh, were either tied or had a lead late against Minnesota, ended up losing by a touchdown. Um, you know, I think they have the high-end talent that gives them the ability to to compete with these teams because they've had some really, really good players, um, which is proven by how many of them have gone on to the NFL. Um, but obviously when you're talking about a team with 63 scholarships and a smaller school, smaller recruiting pool, you know, fewer resources, all those things, it's a big challenge to take on a team – any team from a power five conference, let alone a good one like Iowa. So I think everyone is kind of hoping that, Hey, you know, if you can hang with them for two or three quarters, you know, see what happens, you know, the longer the, the, the game goes, goes without it, with it being up in, in, in the air, you know, the more the pressure is on Iowa, that sort of thing. So I think that's sort of how everyone's looking at it is like, make it competitive and maybe something crazy can happen. And when we had Tyler Merriam on several months back, uh, I said that I, the only way I saw South Dakota State winning this game is if it ended up like a 24-21 type game. And I, I stand by that now that we're approaching the season because I think Iowa's defense, I think South Dakota State will have problems scoring on Iowa's defense. But, you know, you hit on a couple, um, you know, breakdowns, one or two breakdowns and maybe score on a pick six and you can you can climb to 20 or 24. Um and certainly Iowa's offense has not given Iowa any reason, any Iowa fans reason to be real optimistic. And I'll just note this too. And, and Mark, I want to, you know, throw it over to you for a question or two, if you have one, but um, Matt, there are, I counted seven guys on the South Dakota state two deeps that uh, are from the state of Iowa. So there's a lot of guys who have motivation to play in this game. And of course there is some, uh, you know, recruiting carryover. Seth Benson is a Dakota guy and, um, there's certainly some roots in this, these two programs, two coaches that are uh, two of the oldest guys in their professions, and John Stegelmeyer being there for uh, longer than Kirk has been at Iowa. It, just a, a number of interesting storylines to follow. Yeah, uh, Seth Benson was actually committed to play at South Dakota State, and Iowa came in at the last minute 
and right offered him, that. and obviously he had, obviously he had to take that, and, and it's gone out great for him. Uh, he's best friends with one of South Dakota State's starting tight ends, Zach Hines. They were high school teammates, so that's fun. You know, uh, probably the best player on South Dakota State's defense is Adam Bach, their middle linebacker. He's just from right down the road from Iowa City. You know, he told me he grew up a Hawkeyes fan, and he obviously can't wait to go in there and, and play at Kinnick Stadium. And and I don't know if it's show much, so much of a you know. I'll show you that you should have recruited me sort of thing, because obviously I was not exactly hurting for linebackers, but um, you know, that, that, that means something to these guys because they're kind of right on the cusp. And some of those guys in that situation have gone on to play in the NFL. And then that kind of tells you that maybe they could have played at that level. So I think for South Dakota state and any FCS team in this sort of situation, um, it's a very unique opportunity. You know, this is their one chance to play in an environment like that, a stadium like that, but also, you know, test themselves against that level of competition, play against the best players in the country. And um, I'll just say this one more question, then I'll throw it to you, Mark. Um, you know, the, the I think people have to realize, too, I, I led with this on this show, uh, the talent level at South Dakota State, I, I would uh, venture to say that it's very similar to the talent level of, I don't know, a 2016 North Dakota State team that came into Kinnick and beat Iowa. Uh, Jordan Olodic, uh, Oladokun being drafted by the Steelers, and they of course they lose Pierre Strong at running back. But you return a guy in uh, Mark Gronowski, who is more, in my understanding, Matt is more of a dual threat guy, um, but a very experienced quarterback and uh, a guy who was expected to be the starter last year if he hadn't uh, went down with an injury. Uh, Oladokun transfers in and, and has a great fall. Of course, they played both spring and fall last year. Talk about the quarterback for a moment. Uh, yeah, Mark took over as a true freshman in that spring season, kind of out of necessity. They had some injuries and some COVID problems. He got sort of thrown in, and because he was late, so it was kind of like, hey, just go make plays. And yeah, he was a he was a run first quarterback. Had a lot of success with that championship game, probably cost the national championship and because there was such a short turnaround to the fall season he wasn't able to come back like you said they go out and get Oladokun and, and he was great now he's in the NFL um but now Gronowski comes back there's somewhat of a question of how healthy is he coming off a major injury and can he be the same running threat but I think another thing is uh South Dakota State's receiving core has gotten so much better just in that year that he was away uh their two tight ends have really developed into NFL caliber tight ends. Their top three receivers were all kind of, it was unsure what they had in that group back in the spring season. Now those three guys have all really established themselves. And Gronowski had a whole year to watch and to watch film and to get more acclimated with the playbook and learn more about just sort of how to be, you know, pre-step reads and understanding defenses and coverages and those things. So I think there's a chance that he can be a much more balanced quarterback, not so much of a, a run first guy, and that the passing game can be a lot improved. And if that's the case, uh, South Dakota State's offense is going to be a lot more balanced and therefore a lot more difficult to defend. Got Matt Simmer on the line from uh, Argus Leader breaking down South Dakota State for us. Uh, week one matchup in Kinnick Stadium against Iowa. Matt, uh, as you outlined a little bit earlier, 
it's extremely rare, if ever, that an FCS would defeat an FBS or, in particular, a Power 5 opponent because they have more talent. They These matchups uh, are rare upsets, but when they do occur, it's because the talent gap isn't as large as it is most of the time, number one. But, but it's most about matchups. So when you look at Iowa's strengths and weaknesses, both sides of the ball, versus what South Dakota State does well, uh, do you think this has the rep recipe of being an upset? Um, I mean, I think there's a path to an upset. Um, you know, like you mentioned earlier, Iowa's defense is really, really good. It's hard to imagine South Dakota State, you know, putting up 30 or 40 points. And given that South Dakota State has some questions with their own defense, even though I know Iowa's offense isn't that explosive, I wouldn't be at all surprised if Iowa was able to score 30 points against them. And that would make it tough. You know, like you said, it's going to be tough for the Jacks to put up a big number against this defense. Um, But I also think given the struggles Iowa's had on offense, uh, given maybe some of their inexperience, not inexperience, but just unprovenness in the passing game, like the Jacks, what would be ideal for them is, you know, get out to a 14-0 lead, you know, strike first. Maybe like you mentioned, you you get a a special team score or a turnover, a pick six, something. If you can get a two-score lead or a three-score lead or something and, and make Iowa play from behind, you know, they're not really built to do that, I don't think. So that would probably be one way to do it. And, and then obviously, you know, like you mentioned earlier, you're going to need some breaks. You know, if you're going to win a game like this, you're probably not just going to line up and punch them in the mouth and just be better at the last And You're going to need some breaks, some big plays. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if South Dakota State tried some trick plays or something like that to try to shift momentum, those sort of things. So, um, it'll be tough for them to do, but, but like I said, I, I don't think it's implausible that they could win this game. But Matt, uh, aren't trick plays communist football, according to John Sigelmeyer? Well, it's funny that he said that as many times as he has, because <laughs> his uh, previous offensive coordinator called about one of them a game. So uh, he said, that guy's gone now. Maybe they won't do it as much. But uh, they, 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 despite what John may have said, they, have not, they are not too good to call trick plays. And uh, I just want to say this too, uh, Matt is not overhyping Tucker Craft. I remember when we had Tyler Merriam on, I think he com- compared him to, wasn't Dallas, is it, I remember, no, never remember how to produce or uh, pronounce his last name. What's the tight end that came from South Dakota State? Dallas? Goddard. With Goddard, Goddard. I don't even want to say Goddard, and I know that's not right. So, so I know Tyler kind of compared him to Goddard. Can Craft be that good of a tight end? I know he's a, a junior. I think so. I think so. He's a little bit different of a build. Uh, Dallas Goddard was kind of a, a basketball body who, you know, built up his strength to become, you know, a, a real dominant pass catcher. And, and Tucker can do that, too. He's a little bit more compact. But, boy, is he really strong. He played running back in high school. So he's a guy that Goddard was a little bit more of a deep threat. Tucker Craft, they a lot of times they do a lot of screens and, and uh, stuff over the middle, um, you know, try and – get him the ball and let him run because he is really hard to tackle. He will run people over and he is probably the most confident football player I have ever met. He is coming into this game, licking his chops to prove to Iowa and, and the nation really how good he is. So it'll be interesting to see uh, how well that goes. Cause yeah, this soft season, he had a lot of FBS schools knocking on his door with, with NIL offers to get him to move. And uh, he chose to stay because he said, I'm good enough. I can make it to the NFL out of South Dakota state. I don't got to leave. So that, that tells you uh, how confident he is and probably how excited he is for this game. 
Wait, what a matchup last year. You're you talking about this tight end. I'm th- you guys play uh, South Dakota State played Colorado State last year, and I can't remember the kid from Colorado State. Yeah. But he, he was a heck. That had to have been the battle of the tight ends. It w- that was what the thought was, but uh, the Jacks ended up rolling over him with their running game. And I don't remember. I think it was Trey something was the tight end's name from Colorado State. Yeah. Uh, he was kind of a non factor because the Jacks really wiped the floor with them in that game. McBride, yeah, I believe, right? And, yeah, McBride. There you go. Yeah. Uh, well, I know we appreciate you give, uh, taking the time here. One more thing before we let you go, Matt. Um, I know Tyler brought up Jaden and Jackson Yankee. Am I pronouncing their names correctly? Yankee. Yankee. Uh, well, they, both yeah, of Yankee. those guys, both those guys have uh, great potential. They're brothers. They're both seniors. This is an experienced team. You, you, you know, Zach Hines. You, you brought up, you know, or excuse me, uh, Tucker Kraft. Well, both of those guys. So, which which tight end is better, Kraft or Hines? Kraft is more the complete package. He's their number one. Hines is six seven. He's not quite as quick and athletic. He's more of a strictly red zone target and uh, obviously a big factor in the running game as a blocker. And then, you know, they like to throw it up and let him go get it in the end zone. He's kind of a red zone guy. But again, they've got NFL talent at uh, tight end. They've got a lot of experience at wide receiver. And then you talk about Gronowski. I don't know if he's an eventual NFL guy or a guy who at least have a chance, but how about Isaiah Davis? The one guy we we've missed because Pierre strong gets drafted last year, but this is a kid who certainly has next level potential and he's a big body at six one two twenty. And of course, Amar Johnson got time last year when Davis was out. Just talk about the run game. Cause that's where I think it's going to come down to, uh, you know, North Dakota state beat Iowa in the trenches uh, in t- 2016. And I think that'll be difficult for uh, South Dakota state to do. But when you have a running game led by Davis and Johnson, that certainly helps the cause. Davis is really good. Um, his, in the spring season, his freshman year, uh, he actually overtook Pierre Strong as the number one back. And Pierre Strong's a New England Patriot now. So that goes to show you how talented he is. He's been a little banged up. Um, but if you watch the national championship game in the spring, he ran for 200 yards on something like 17, 18 carries and had two of the most amazing runs I've ever seen. He's fast and he's just really, really hard to tackle. He runs violently. Um, the, the difference is I, I'm curious to see how he handles being, you know, sort of a bell cow running back. I don't know if the Jacks want to be giving him the ball 25, 30 times a game. They haven't had to do it the last couple of years because of the depth they've had at that position. Is Amar Johnson ready to take that load off him? I don't know yet, uh, but certainly Isaiah Davis is very dangerous. And like we just mentioned, with all those threats in the passing game, uh, if Iowa has to devote too much energy to keeping – you know, keeping an eye on all those targets in the passing game, Isaiah Davis will hurt them. And I just, I still can't get over the fact that uh, South Dakota State had Oladokun drafted by the Steelers, and yet uh, Mark Gronowski, wasn't he the uh, offensive player of the year in the uh, the Missouri Valley in the spring? Yep, he was. They were uh, very fortunate to uh, find a one-year stopgap who worked out as well as Chris did. Unbelievable. This is a talented team. Matt, uh, appreciate you taking the time. Matt Zimmer from the Argus Leader. Safe travels down to Iowa City this week, and uh, we look forward to a Pat Kinnick on Saturday. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. That was good, Matt. Uh, Mark, that was an insightful interview with Matt Zimmer, and uh, I'm telling you, this uh, we're not just overhyping. I mean, we've given you clear data. They have two offensive skill positions that have that sent guys to the league just as many guys as iowa had drafted last year 
And like I say, the quarterback that's now replacing Oladokun was literally the offensive player of the year in the conference his freshman season, which was just last spring. And uh, I mean, I think there's a lot of people who believe Isaiah Davis could be better than Pierre Strong. And, and like I say, Jaden Yankee and Jackson Yankee, those guys are big wide receivers. They're going to be testing Riley Moss. And, and remember, I was not as deep at cornerback right now because Jamari Harris is suspended due to an OWI. <laughs> so it's going to be fun. And uh, another guy I didn't mention, AJ Coons is listed on the depth chart. He's a he's a Solon kid. So he's an Iowa guy who will uh, certainly have a chance at testing Iowa's defensive backs. This is a, I, I'm not predicting a loss. If you want, listen to my podcast this week, I already projected that Iowa would win this game, and I'm going to stand by that. But uh, I am certainly uh, taking Iowa against the spread in my weekly picks because I, I just think it's it's going to be difficult to pull away from a team with this much this much skill position talent. And it's a quarterback that can run. So Iowa, you know, in the heat, I know it's not going to be real hot, but whenever you play early September games in Kinnick, you're wearing the black and gold. You're, you're going to need depth. So it's a good thing Iowa has a deep defensive line because they're going to be chasing Gronowski all over the field. If you believe that Vegas knows what it's doing, it's got Iowa listed as a 15-and-a-half-point favorite, which is substantial, but it's not overwhelming. No, and that's not – Oh, I mean, think about that comparison to what, – what's the spread with Ohio State and Notre Dame this week? 17 and a half. So let's just recap. Vegas <laughs> believes more in Ohio State over Notre Dame than they do Iowa over South Dakota State, folks. That's, that's pretty crazy. Well, it's – but I think it, it speaks to two things, the talent of Ohio State um, and the the talent of South Dakota State. This is not a team, and I'd have to look back at the North Dakota State team that beat Iowa in 2016. And maybe I can do that while we're while we're on here because that's something I haven't done this week. I'm curious to see how many NFL guys were on that North Dakota State roster um, because, I mean, I don't remember. Of course, that's a, a talented team every year. Um, but see, North obviously their quarterback uh, would have been. I'm just running through the roster here. Can you do you remember anybody in particular off that roster? Um, South Dakota State, no. I'm sure I would recognize some names. You so know, he brought up Dallas Goddard, and I immediately thought he's a really good tight end. I didn't realize he was from South Dakota State. He's catching forty and fifty balls in the NFL every year. And so, of course, that game being six years ago, I don't remember. Uh, Easton Stick was a, a sophomore that year, and of course, he's uh, he's okay. in the league now. Um, I don't recognize, I'm sure there were more guys, but I'm just saying this is a, I, you know, I've also had people say, well, this is not a, um, this is not North Dakota state. This was a team last year, last spring, they played a spring season. They played a fall season. They played like 25 games last year because of COVID in 2020. This is a team that went to the national championship in the spring and went to the semifinals in the fall. And as Matt brought out, they lost their quarterback uh, who was perceived to be, I mean, he was a freshman, again, when he won Offensive Player of the Year in the conference, and, and they just brought in a, a transfer and, and developed Oladokun and, and made him into an NFL guy, and he said, still made it to the semi, the national semifinals. So this is, I think it's fair to say this is probably the second best FCS team year in and year out behind North Dakota State. So, um, and, and they pushed Minnesota several years back. Let's not forget about that. They, they pushed Minnesota hard very easily could have won that game. So the, no, they're not going to be intimidated coming into Kinnick. 
I bet you there's going to be quite a few South Dakota State fans at this game. That was one of the, the last games to sell out, Mark. So my guess is there will be quite a few Jackrabbits fans that maybe gobble up some of those final tickets. Folks, we know that uh, you're crazy about uh, Iowa football and that the season's here and we're all overjoyed, hyped, psyched that we're going to be able to watch a full schedule of football on Saturday. But let's not forget everything else there is in life. So insurance is important. You can benefit from a quote at uh, Gene Arthur Associates. So please uh, check out the link that I've left in the live chat. I will link. I will leave another one there as well. And uh, you can partner with Gene Arthur Associates and feel good not only about how you've benefited yourself, but how you have benefited families and those children who are in need as Gene Arthur Associates partners with uh, families and has foundations set up to share the wealth with um, those families that are in need. Uh, motorcycle, boat, RV, in addition to, of course, home and auto insurance, business policies are available, life, health, dental, and otherwise you also get a special smart ride instant uh, discount that's connected with having a newer car. And when I say new, I'm not just talking about the last couple of years, but since 2015. So that would take into consideration most vehicles out there. Uh, smart ride connected car, as well as a 40% um, discount upon enrollment. So again, Gene Arthur Associates, we appreciate their support of the Voice of College Football here on our Iowa platform. Have we read the super chat that's on the screen yet, Mark? We have not. We've got uh, some catching up to do. So springtime 0502. This reminds me of the Maryland game, 51-14. Lots of hype around Maryland. A lot of people picked the upset. Did everyone forget how good this defense is going to be? Also, Purdue is overrated and Penn State is underrated. That's an interesting take, Mark. I don't know that who's overrating Purdue. I don't know. I know that they were underrated at the close of last year because they should have been ranked in the final top 25 at nine and four, and they were not. Yeah, and I don't know a lot of people who are picking Purdue to win the division. I hear a lot of people that pick Wisconsin, some people that have picked Minnesota, even some that have picked Iowa. I think Purdue's a dark horse, and and I I simply favor them in some regards because of the schedule. And Penn State, Penn State's had two down years in a row, but nobody's ever doubted their talent. Um and, you know, the, the difference here springtime is we haven't seen this Iowa team. <laughs> so, you know, that Maryland game came smack dab in the middle of a, a nice spurt. Iowa had went on the road and won at Iowa State. Um, and, yeah, I mean, you're, you're right. A lot of people were picking Maryland. I don't hear a lot of people picking South Dakota State. And, and they probably shouldn't. Like, I thought about that today. I was on my way out of town for something. And, uh, Mark, I said to myself, what would be the fan reaction? Not that, you know cares what I pick, but what would be the reaction with the people who do listen to this show if I legitimately went on the record and said, I picked South Dakota State to win this game? What would be the reaction? I mean, I, I almost you almost couldn't afford to do that from a public backlash standpoint. <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying I would ever, because I don't believe it will happen, but I'm just saying um, if you were wrong, I mean, if you were right, I guess people would forgive you, but if you were wrong, well, you'd never live it down. Michigan fans, I got a Michigan fan show up on my channel the other day still. Isn't this the same guy that picked, you know, give me a break. I mean, <laughs> can you imagine what would happen if I picked South Dakota State? Yeah, it's uh, if you're looking at making these predictions as a com just, a, just a business maneuver as running a platform like we do and as you do with from the Hawkeye of the Storm, yes, that is not a business decision to make. <laughs> 
<laughs> no, but in, in all honesty, I don't make my, I, as you know, I don't make those decisions based on popular opinion. Um, I picked Michigan to win this year, or excuse me, I picked Iowa to win over Michigan this year. Um, and you know, obviously we get to that week. I'll, I'll reevaluate at that point and, and maybe change, maybe not. But, um, I do believe Iowa will, will win this game, but I've got South Dakota state against the spread. I have not come out with a final score, which I'll do here in the coming days. Springtime, thank you so much for the contribution. Erica, thank you as well. We always appreciate uh, Erica being here. Please gently, gently press the like button, everyone. Go Hawks. Thank you for that, Erica. Erica has been making her way onto some of the other platforms, the other shows, and, of course, waving the black and gold flag. So we appreciate Erica. Erica. It's ridiculous that Iowa is playing an FCS team that is not Northern Iowa. Uh, well, I kind of agree with that, Mark. I don't see the point of it. I don't, I don't really see the point of it anymore. I don't really know. It's, it doesn't make sense even from an Iowa standpoint. It makes less sense for Iowa to do it than for another school because, you know, Kirk has built this program on being rather risk adverse. This is a pretty risky thing. You know, it's, it's, there, there is a, there is no positive here because you and I both know, Mark, ain't nobody going to care if he beats South Dakota State. Um, and in college basketball, it's a little bit different. I know people, and I've been critical of it too, that Iowa doesn't play Drake and Northern Iowa year in and year out. It's a little bit different because you've got so many games, so many non-conference games that you can schedule. And Iowa, of course, has two in-state rivals besides Iowa State. They're not really rivals anymore, but two in-state schools. They don't play regularly. And Iowa doesn't schedule those schools. And, you know, they won't admit this, but the, the reason is because they don't want to risk losing to them. So why would you, when you have less games to go off of, less games to schedule, why would you go out and schedule one of the best teams in the FCS? And it's not like they scheduled them before they were good. This has been a, a really good team for years. Um, so I, I'm surprised that they do have uh, – South Dakota State on the schedule, they they have you and I on the schedule coming up. I don't quite understand what the reason for that is. I'm not even necessarily in favor of playing you and I. I'd be in favor of it in basketball because I think it's the talent gap is less. But the, at least from the per, outside perception standpoint, you have people that perceive the talent gap to be really wide in football between an, a you and I and an Iowa. What's the point of taking that risk? And you and I is an excellent FCS program. So I agree to some extent with with Oink Oink. Um, does Oink Oink live on a farm, Mark? Do you know? Has he talked about so. that? Okay, yeah. E-I-E-I-O. Yeah, exactly. Um, but uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know. But uh, you just got to get through this game because, boy, talk about a tailspin. You know, can you imagine? And they've lost. it's not like they haven't done this before. We brought up 2016. They've lost to a couple directional Michigan schools. They lost to Western Michigan in the early 2000s. I'm sure you remember that, Mark. I'm sure you remember. I was at the Iowa Central Michigan. What was that game? That game in like 2012. Uh, they played with fire against Ball State, I think, in 2014, 13 or 14. So uh, I don't think the talent – Mark, what's the talent gap in, in your mind between a South Dakota State and – a lower tier Mac team, like a ball state. Now ball states had good years. I shouldn't consider them. They're not a lower t- tier. Yeah, Whoever. Yeah. Whoever the, yeah. the lower tier in the Mac. So uh, top FCS team I, versus bottom feeder F- FBS. I, I don't think that there is one. I don't either. 
I, I don't either. And I think we, you know, we label these things. Well, FBS, mm-hmm. FCS, who cares? Yeah. The, the, that's the scary thing. Now, the good news is Kirk, you know, he, he heaped tons of praise on John Stiglmeyer as he should. He's been there as a head coach since 97, I believe, and has been with the program since the eighties. He's actually been with South Dakota state longer than, than Kirk Ferentz has been with Iowa in total. Um, he's a South Dakota guy. And the players, certainly uh, Riley Moss, Sam Laporta, these guys did not, Spencer Petrus, they did not act uh, holier than thou as it relates to this matchup. So I'd like to think they're taking him seriously, but until we see him on the field, you never know what's going through a kid's mind. And I do I think they're taking this team for granted? No, given the coaching staff. That's one thing Kirk Ferentz certainly knows how to do is keep, you know, keep his guys with a level head. However, it, it's not perfect. It's not 100%. You never know. And, and when the talent gap is less than maybe the outside perception um, may indicate that it is, I think you're that's a that's a scary game. And we've been saying that for months. And that's why I asked about matchups, because I think that has as much to do with it as anything when, you know, you know, the the talent gap can't be enormous. And just because you've got one matchup somewhere, you've got an NFL tight end. Okay, well, they bracket him. He's gone. That's the end of the game. Uh, but if but if you can be in the ballpark uh, athletically and then maybe you win the turnover margin by two and you have some matchups that favor you or in Iowa's case uh, going against them. It only, you know, let's put math into the equation that that the the, the more the. The, the score stays closer to zero than it does to 50, there is going to just naturally be a, a closer gap in score. And so if you can stay within seven to 10, then something crazy can happen and it's possible. And I'm looking through the map. I mean, I don't know. Certainly I'm not as well versed on uh, South Dakota state's roster as, as Matt was, or as Tyler Merriam is, but um I mean, I, I don't know. The good news is for Iowa, I, I would say the strength for South Dakota State is at you know those skill position spots, with the exception of Jamari Harris being out, which is you know that could come into play here. I don't know of any other um, place on the field, at least on that side of the ball, where I would you know say a hey, South Dakota State can clearly take advantage. And I don't even know if they're going to be able to take advantage of Terry Roberts because I don't think there's a big gap between Jamari Harris and, and Terry Roberts. Now again, depth-wise, if either Moss or Roberts goes down, then you start to you start to get a little bit concerned because Brandon Diaz Fernandez and and you know TJ Hall and, and Cooper DeGene, whoever's coming in there at corner, doesn't have a whole lot of experience there. Cooper DeGene, I think the only guy that actually has taken snaps at corner. So I mean, yeah, tight end, I would expect Iowa to really utilize Justin Jacobs. Uh, I think it's you know one of the best linebackers in the big 10 i think you could say that about every one of iowa's linebackers but as iowa's leo backer i I think you know he's the guy you want covering big tight ends but trey mcbride did take advantage of iowa last year um and so i mean you he brought up zach hines at 67 260 and then tucker craft at 65 255 those are two really big skilled tight ends you know cooper DeGene, if he gets matched up on on one of those tight ends he's a small guy mark he's like six foot tall maybe He's a really good athlete, but boy, you you, you want to put him up against a six five tight end? Um, I don't know. It, it, it's going to be intriguing. And you know, I mentioned depth at the outset of the show. The depth along that defensive line; these are the matchups that you really need that depth. 
and the matchups that, you know, back in 2011, I remember Iowa chasing whoever it was, Dan Purser, Kafka, whoever the, the uh, Northwestern quarterback was, chasing him all over the field. And eventually, I think Iowa came to the realization, hey, we need to just have more guys ready. And so they are not going to have a problem. You know, knock on wood, they haven't had any significant injuries along that defensive line. I think even if they did, you know, unless you lose Van Ness or maybe Noah Shannon, who I think are your two stars right now, I, I don't I don't see that. If, I don't see them missing a beat there. And you certainly want that when it's hot out and you're chasing a dual-threat guy around the field. Somebody get asked in here what a good uh, game looks like out of Spencer Petrus. So looking at the offense as a whole, uh, if, if I was able to do, and not re- to a ridiculous standard, but if they're able to put together a productive game plan and execute it, what, what do you think that looks like run pass ratio and Petrus's um, numbers downfield? Uh, well, that's a good good question. Um, I would say, uh, more, and this may surprise some people, I think you want to keep Spencer under thirty passes if possible in a game like this. I, I don't think, I don't think the key is having Spencer throw for three hundred yards on fifty pass attempts like he did against. Well, he didn't throw that many yards against Northwestern, but he threw the ball I think fifty times against the Wildcats back in twenty twenty. They lost that game. That's not the the, the key moving forward is figuring out a way to generate yards in the, in the run game. And it doesn't need to be, you know, I talked about this in the podcast the other day, does it need to be 3.8 yards a carry, four yards a carry, regardless, you can't get behind in the chains. So I do believe Caleb Johnson will play a lot. And the good news is throughout the four guys that I think will play at running back, and that's, of course, Caleb and uh, Caleb Johnson and Jazzy and Patterson, and then LaShawn or LaShawn and uh, uh, Gavin Williams, those guys are bigger backs. So I, I think naturally, even, you know, regardless of the juggling they've been doing along that offensive line, and there has been juggling due to injury. I think they they're in position to stay ahead of the chains. But again, some of this hasn't been proven to us yet because we saw a little bit of Gavin and LeSean against Kentucky, but it's been Tyler Goodson's backfield for, you know, two or three years with the, you know, obviously Mackay Sargent helping as well at times. Um, so I think you keep Spencer below, uh, 30 pass attempts. I don't really care what his yardage outputs are. Um, you know, everyone wants to talk about completion percentage. Yeah, you want him above 60. Probably against South Dakota State, you'd like him above 65%. Um, but I, I think keeping him at low pass attempts, <laughs> you, you want the ball in, in your best player's hands. And I, I don't think right now, Spencer, I don't think you can say that he's one of Iowa's best players. I and mean, then that sounds like I'm oversimplifying things. But I, I think you develop that run game and you've got some you develop some depth there. There's there's the key to a successful offense, as they did in 2020. Let's remember the run game was very good in 2020. They averaged, I think, like 4.2 yards a carry that year. And you can blame the opposing defenses that were dealing with COVID issues and whatnot and rebuilds, but they did. I mean, they ran the ball really well, averaged a lot of points, and Spencer Petrus was their quarterback. So the, the offense can still be effective with Petrus at quarterback, but they got to be able to run the ball better. And last year, there, there's if you want to simplify things, there's the difference. Last year, they didn't run the ball more or r- run the ball effectively, and so they had to throw the ball. And you know, it's, Spencer Petrus is not the type of guy you want putting that type of pressure on. Now, maybe he's improved. We we hope that's the case, and that he can, you know, have those types of games like a Michigan in the Big Ten championship game where he can step up and make the plays, but uh, until that's proven, they got to get that run game going. 
Corey, Eric would like you to clarify your stance on Purdue. Well, I'm I'm just saying, okay, so the, the question earlier was, or the statement earlier was people are, uh, Purdue's overrated. I'm just saying I pick Purdue, yes, but I don't hear everybody else picking Purdue. When you say overrated, I'm interpreting that as uh, people are in large part rating them highly. Correct, Mark? Am I wrong in saying that? Sure. I've got. I mean, they're a dark horse in my mind, but I also think this—they're a dark horse from the outside perception. They're not a, they're not a dark horse to me. To me, they're they're right in line because if the schedules were all created equal, then I I, I'd have a hard time. I'd probably pick between Iowa, Wisconsin, and Minnesota, but because of Purdue's schedule, now I think those scales, the the, the, uh, terms have have been evened up a bit, and I think. Again, depending on what happens Thursday, they could easily be the favorite from more people um, before we even get started with the majority of these games. Yeah, if we want a clear example of overrated, underrated, just in this short season we've experienced thus far, I'll point to Northwestern, underrated. I'll point to Nebraska, overrated. (laughs) Right. By Vegas and everybody else. And and most, not Corey, pick Northwestern to win. That's Corey, right. I was kicking myself for not picking Northwestern to win because I've been talking about them for a month. So, okay, can I ask just real quick, uh, not yeah. to take the subject off Iowa, how many in the media, in, in our media selections, picked Northwestern straight up? You and someone else out of 15? Okay. Well, I was riding high with these picks because I was doing great until uh, Vanderbilt played Hawaii. <laughs> <laughs> games. That didn't go very well. That uh, Again, it's three games. I, I did not even think for five seconds about taking Northwestern with the points, but I shouldn't have talked myself out of picking uh, Northwestern to win the game. Obviously, I can say that now, but uh, we will get some right and some wrong. Let me just say, if you take Northwestern with the points, then you're assuming it's probably a one-score game. So you're right. Logically, I Northwestern does, but I'm still going <laughs> to take Nebraska. Right didn't work out so yeah outsmarted myself or maybe just didn't take what i instinctually thought uh erica thank you so much for that frosty meaning scott frost is gonna melt like a snowman if he does not fix things really quick wow you talk about a coach being on the hot seat in a hurry it's not even september 1st and that situation in lincoln has been ratcheted up even more. You think he'll be there by Black Friday? Do you think Frost will still be there? That's a good question. It is a great question. I, I lean just, no. Really? You lean no. I think he'll be I don't think they'll fire him before the end of the season. But I will say this. I actually think it's if you're talking about doing what's best for the program, I think it's a real I, I think it's a, a real um, item to consider. Mm-hmm. Because Mark, they're so close. It it could be this might be a rare situation where getting rid of your head your head coach midseason might actually help you win games immediately. Yeah, and may, you know you want to say, well, it's not him, maybe, but he's been the common denominator now for what five years. Yes, I, they're right in these games, and they can't win what a five and twenty in close games. Is that the number? Or in single twenty one now, five and twenty one. So. I would um, I would very much consider uh, firing Scott Frost midseason. 
And, and your guy the other day, I watched some of your post-game show the other day, and, and your guy was talking up Georgia Southern. If they lose to Georgia Southern, they can't keep him, right? My <laughs> guy? No, well, they, they, you wouldn't think so. Georgia Southern, my goodness, they can't lose that game. And I, I want to address the uh, question from T. Hawkeye that I missed earlier. He said, uh, how do you pick Iowa over Michigan when the offense is so bad? Uh, well, a couple things here. I was back and forth on that pick. Again, we're talking preseason predictions, and I went through, as I do every year, uh, and make my selections one by one, uh, week by week. I picked Iowa in that game because I've seen that story play out so many times. Very rarely does, Mar- does Iowa not show up in a marquee game at home. Now, the disadvantage of having this Fox contract is that they hype this this uh, big noon kickoff, which doesn't help you because there's just more energy under the lights. There's something about Kinnick at night. But I still believe that place will be absolutely bonkers. I think Iowa will be playing up the Big Ten Championship card as they should. And I just don't see any way that that game is a blowout. If that's a, I'll be very, very surprised. You know, unless unless Iowa deals with a bunch of injuries be- between now and October first, I-, I just can't see a scenario where with where Michigan blows out Iowa at home. Mark, you're you're looking from an outside perspective. Do do you see a scenario? You know the history of, of marquee teams going sure. to Kansas. sure. The Ohio State's the best program in the conference, and it has been for twenty years. And they went to Kinnick last time and they got ambushed by 31 points and they were by far the best team in the conference. And they still lost by 31 points right? Um, and came out barely on course with the big 10 championship on the line about 12 or 13 years ago, games back to back one in Columbus, one of course at Kinnick, um, Michigan, five of six losses folks. One in five at Kinnick in the last six meetings. We know what happened the last time. And number two ranked Michigan team went to Iowa City. Penn State, we've seen just tremendous games between those two teams. And Iowa, of course, won the the most recent. So we're talking about the three best programs in the division, arguably the conference, not faring well at Iowa City. Um, but you asked me, do I see a scenario in which, well, we just saw the scenario play out in Indianapolis last year. Yes, I do see a scenario. I don't think it's probable by any stretch, but I see it. Sure. That wasn't, that wasn't Kinnick, Mark. I understand that, but they're still playing. Not- once, once they kick the ball off, they're still playing on a hundred yard field with 10 yard end zones and But Mark, I just asked you: Have you you see that scenario playing out? That that was not the yeah, scenario. I can see it. I I could well, maybe not to the extent of forty-two to three, but could I see Michigan winning thirty-one thirteen? Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm just saying what you just said. You have a right to your opinion, but I'm just saying what you just said. That's why I'm you on. Can't here. use the Big Ten championship game as proof that M- Michigan can come in there and blow out Iowa at Kinnick because the game in the Big Ten championship game was not played at Kinnick. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it's a, and I understand you, you, when you say that when the ball's kicked off, you're still, okay, fine. But, I mean, you, you know the history of Iowa football. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, over the last 10 years, name, name two or three examples. And I, I mean, because you can name a few. Penn State in 2012, Iowa loses Brandon Sheriff and Andrew Donnell, and they get blown out by Penn State. That was a four and eight Iowa team. Okay, this Iowa team's not going four and eight. 
We know Iowa beat Michigan under the lights in 2016. Michigan was a top five team. They blew out Ohio State in 2017. Ohio State was a top five team at the time. Penn State in 2017. That was a game that Iowa had probably had no business being in, but once again, they're right there with a chance to win at the end. And if it wasn't for a last second pass from McSorley to Juwan Johnson, Iowa would have won that game at home. Um, you know, I'm trying to think. Obviously, Wisconsin, Iowa's not had great fortune against Wisconsin, but Wisconsin doesn't blow out Iowa at home. Those games at 2018 was close there. Um, 2020, Iowa won that game. Um, so I, I get what you're saying. I, I just, there's more examples of Iowa playing top five to top 10 teams close or winning than over the last 10, 15 years than there are them playing these top tier teams and getting blown yeah. out. There are more examples. Many more, Mark. Okay. But rarely do they play one of the top five to ten teams in the nation. So we we see some of those. Again, 2016, um, no, that was at Penn State. Anyway, um, yeah, you're just asking me, is there a scenario in which I can see Michigan blowing out Iowa? Yeah, I just watched it the last time they played. Okay, well, I'm just saying that, that you say that it's very rare that they play a, a marquee a top five team at home. It's not really that rare. They did it against Ohio State in 2017. They did it against Michigan in 2016. Sure. Okay. And they did it against Penn State in 17. So now, if I'm wrong, I'd be happy to eat my words. In and I know you're not predicting that it's going to be a lopsided game. And you and I are basically just arguing over semantics, yeah. <laughs> which is fine. Yeah. I think it's good conversation, but. Um, you know, it'd be like asking me, can I see a scenario in which South Dakota State wins on Saturday? Let me ask you that question. Is it more reasonable for you to see South Dakota State come into Iowa and win Saturday? Or is it more realistic to see Michigan come into Iowa City and blow them out in, in well, October? Once we get past the Power Five and certainly the Group of Five, I don't consider myself some kind of expert. So... I have less confidence in what I know and don't know and what I'm willing to to say is going to happen. Okay. So you don't, you don't ever, and, and I know you don't include that on our media picks. We, we don't pick FC, anything involving the FCS, do we? Well, first and foremost, those are not the best matchups. I try to pick the 12 best matchups of the week. But if North Dakota state played, you know, Iowa state, that may be one of the better matchups. If it's a week zero game, I know it was, you know, and do I personally pick FCS games? Yes, I do. If they're playing the top 25 or the fringe of the top 25, I, I predict all those games. Sure. sure. Okay. No, I, I just think it's it's this this game on Saturday has a chance at being surprisingly close. Um, and again, I've not given us a, a given a score yet, but I do believe it will be close. And I'm talking within within the uh, within the line. I think it'll be a two score game. Uh, no, maybe Iowa wins by 17 and covers, but um, I, I just, you know, again, with Stiglmeyer, and I know Stiglmeyer too, he, he runs, I mean, his system is basically, and, and don't get mad at me, Iowa fans, I say this, he basically runs at his level what Iowa tries to run at theirs. And and I'm talking specifically on offense. I, you know, they like to run the I formation at South Dakota State, but now they have a guy who's mobile at quarterback, they have really good tight ends, which Iowa loves to have and then typically accomplishes that. But they also have really good wide receivers and really good running backs. So they're they're literally Iowa at a different level with better skill possession talent. Uh, you know, obviously in, in 
direct correlation with the level that they're playing at in the FCS. So, um, and and that's why that's how you become a power. And they are they are the equivalent in the FCS. They are equivalent to a, a Georgia, um, in the FBS or or a Clemson. Maybe not quite a Clemson because Clemson's won you know national titles. Um, but I'm just saying in general, um, they are competitive semifinal national championship team very regularly. So it's a dangerous game. We enjoy our partnership with Gene Arthur Associates. Uh, you can um, get your instant quote on all your insurance needs, home, auto, motorcycle, and more, boat, RV, and otherwise, just any type of insurance that you can think of and are in need of, they've got you covered. www.jaainsurance.com. The link is in the description of all the videos on this channel at the top of the description section and also here in the live chat, and I will include it one more time. We appreciate the folks at Gene Arthur Associates. They're fine folks. They donate portion of that money to uh, families in need and also do what's best for you. Get your quote, and if you can uh, beat your your current uh, insurance situation, there you go. You're benefiting others, but most importantly, based on your insurance needs, you're benefiting your own situation there at home. So Gene Arthur Associates, the link is in all the description sections of all the videos. Erica says the Kinnick effect folks. And Mark, you've never been to Kinnick. No, I gotta get you over here. I've never been to a lot of places. I know, but you get Kinnick is a special place. I know. Yes. And you're going to say, so are a lot of places, but no, I, I think uh, we need to get you here. And, um, That'd be fun. I'll tell you what, if somebody gets to lay down a, a a chip every time I say this is a dangerous game, then somebody's probably got a bingo right now, or somebody else somebody else's ship has been has been blasted <laughs> because because I I've said it a number of times, but it's how I it's how I feel. It, it, it's somewhat normal to get more nervous as you get closer to a game. Like and I, I can already feel that with the Iowa State game, like. You know, especially if Reganey is still out and if Keegan Johnson's health is uncertain, you know, maybe they get by South Dakota State. But then, you know, you're talking about a, a uptick in talent against Iowa State, even though they're young. That game does concern me a bit. Talking about the Big Ten Western Division race, Mark chimes in with this one. Of course, we learned this week that Wisconsin's backup quarterback, Chase Wolf, was injured in practice. Graham Mertz, the former five star whose numbers and performance have been eerily similar to and reminiscent of what Iowa fans have seen at the quarterback position the last couple of years. Graham Mertz must come through now. You think he does, Mark? You think he takes that step? I think he he plays well enough for them to win. Yeah, he doesn't have to be Superman. I mean, I mean, no. even if they had to have a quarterback that was Russell Wilson's a one example, but I mean, they were good all over the field um, when Russell Wilson was there that one season. Um, Graham Mertz throw seventeen or eighteen touchdown passes with seven or eight picks and complete sixty percent of the balls, and uh, your team could win the division. Um, I'll just say this. I'll just tease because you have the on the bottom banner from the Hawkeye of the storm. If you've not checked out my show, I got a couple of buddies of mine who admit they don't know as much about Iowa football, certainly as you do, Mark, or, or probably myself or other people we have on here, but I enjoy having them on because they're, they're longtime friends of mine. Had them on the show here this week for a two-part uh, edition of the podcast. 
and we were just talking about, um, you know, the Iowa passing attack and, and certainly the Iowa defense. I think that Wisconsin matchup, I actually picked Iowa to beat Wisconsin. I'll tease people with that. You can find all of our picks over from the Hawkeye of the Storm in our, our Week 201 podcast. But I actually picked Iowa to beat Wisconsin at home this year. And the reason being is I think Iowa is actually built to stop uh, Wisconsin's offense this year. And typically, I mean, they does Iowa typically have a good front? Yes. Do they typically have good linebackers? Yes. But it's rare that they're this stacked all the way across the board. And, and you just don't have a, a big guy like Jack Campbell, um, who I think can be maybe the best run-stopping linebacker in the country this year with his size and, and experience. I think they're built to beat Wisconsin this year. And maybe they won't, but Braylon Allen's a terrific back, but I think Iowa can match what he brings to the table. And the more hype I hear uh, you know, regarding Noah Shannon, the, the more I become convinced of that. I, that's a game I think Iowa will win, but you can catch all of our picks over at the podcast. Yeah, so you get um, Corey's picks at uh, Podcast 201 on From the Hawkeye of the Storm. I posted a video here with my Iowa game-by-game game predictions. Uh, spoiler alert, they're boring. <laughs> Don't say and that. Somebody told me that they're boring. You're, how are you teasing me? You said that they're, oh, use the term boring or matter of fact. What are you my, talking about? My Iowa what? predictions for this season. Oh, you're talking about Iowa. I'm, th- I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the, the, uh, this week's predi- pr- uh, oh. predictions in college football because I can't imagine those being boring with some of the matchups we have. Um, well, you just had Iowa going eight and four. I mean, I have them going nine and three. I'll, I'll, I guess I'll tease that. Maybe I shouldn't say that because I'm going to produce some more content. I got them going nine and three, and I could see. I saw Josh Pate. I don't watch Josh Pate, but I know you've had him on this show in the past, Mark. Yep. Uh, he has Iowa going. You know, he he gives worst case scenario and best case scenario, and I think he I had worst. That. You can't get that. Is that what you said? I hate that. Oh, you hate that. I hate that oh. worst. You know what the worst case scenario is for every team? 0 and 12. And the best case scenario is 12 and 0. There you go. I understand your line of reasoning. But I thought it was intriguing because I think reason. Okay. I think a better way to, to couch it is uh, most reasonable worst case scenario. Sure. Okay. So so he had Iowa at 5 and 7 in the worst case scenario. And I think he had him at 10 fair. and 2 in best case scenario, which is fair. fair. I mean, I. Honestly, I would say best case scenario. This is going to tickle some fans here. I think it's eleven and one because I, I think twelve and zero. Well, I just don't see Ooh. them going into. Do they go into Columbus and win? I, I just don't see that happening. I, I don't see it happening either. But okay, again, let's take off my my initial contrarian devil's advocate. Everybody could go twelve and zero or zero and twelve. Yep. So I hate that stupid worst case and. But, because do you know how many times we could go out and find examples? We could find hundreds of them of, of whether they're credible or in a lot of cases uh, invalid or non-credible sources of college football analysis where they've got this best case and worst case scenario. And we could find <laughs> where those parameters were broken. So they weren't the worst and right. best case scenarios. So I understand the reasonable. I understand it. We just all do it a little bit different. I just always thought that that was kind of stupid. But um, I, I think Iowa can win every game on its schedule. I do so not you, expect them to win every game on the schedule. Okay, but is there any team in the country that you would say 
the same. Is there any team in uh, you know in the country that you would say no? They cannot win every game in the schedule. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so you're making an exception for Iowa. And you're saying that Iowa has the talent and the coaching and everything together to win every game on the schedule. Individually, looking at every game, they could win. They could win. They could win. The probabilities, okay. though, go from if you understand probabilities, which right. of you do, but I'm talking to the folks out there, it's minuscule. It's so minuscule for Ohio State to go undefeated this year. Right. But they've got tougher games in the schedule than home against Iowa. Now, what's what would you say, just shooting this out here, and I know we're trying to wrap this show up, but shooting this out here here on August 30th, if you had to say now, and that's a mid-October game, what would you say the probabilities as of right now you would give to Iowa beating Ohio State in Columbus in, in October? Probabilities. 12%. Wow. See, you, you, you are a little bit, that's a lot more generous than I would be. It is. That's a lot more. Notre Dame's only getting 16%. That's an 84% Ohio state certainty, according to Vegas and ESPN, 84% against Notre Dame. Mark, you and I were debating on social media earlier today, privately, because I told, we had a, we had a fight about Notre Dame. We, 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 we were arguing about Notre Dame and I basically, I don't want to get into it here, but we can, we can at least, discuss it briefly we should take uh, our notre dame debates on the notre dame channel <laughs> i'm sure they want to see me back over there um but uh i i think right now if i when notre dame played on a neutral field i think it'd be a pick em. and and you may not dis- you may not agree with that but i don't care what notre dame is ranked in the preseason who cares what they're ranked in the well, preseason? i don't care what they're ranked in the preseason that makes no difference to me i think notre dame's a better team than iowa not substantially but i i believe that they're better yeah, I mean, and you believe that, but uh, they haven't proven anything yet, and they got a new head coach. No one has. <laughs> no, you're right. Well, you're you're right. Northwestern. Proven... <laughs> yeah, and no, Nebraska has proven something. Yeah, <laughs> you. Uh... <laughs> Sorry, that kind of cracked myself up there for a second. But um, uh, Marcus Freeman has not proven anything as a head coach. That, you know, and that's an, I think that's a big aspect to this. Um, but uh, no, I, I saw somebody, I think it was Lemansky or no, not Lemansky, Hawkeye Howard said that uh, Notre Dame's going to beat Ohio State. I, I love you, Hawkeye Howard, but I, I don't I don't see that happening. Now, I would give them a, a better chance of winning. Is that, remind me again, is that game in Columbus? The Ohio State game against Notre Dame? Yes. Okay. Don't, no, I, I don't see any way. they. I would say they have a better chance. I'd say they have a 20 percent chance if you're giving iowa 12 i'm giving notre dame 20 is that fair yeah and that's close to what vegas is saying right you said about 84 percent i I think it's i think notre dame's got a better shot than that i'm going more 35 percent range yeah so you're a little bit just i'm maybe higher on on your buckeyes mark 17 and a half points i know i'm gonna say it the number five team in the country even though you don't believe whatever about the preseason rankings and I don't believe in them anyway. And I don't think Notre Dame's maybe quite that good, but they are one of the 10 or 12 best teams in the country. Well, that's fair. I, I, I wouldn't doubt that. I, I don't, you know, based on recruiting and based on talent. No, I, I have no doubt. I haven't, you know, delved into recruiting rankings, but I would guess they're probably top 12 team. And, and I'll make two other points before we get out of here. And you can say whatever you want concerning Iowa or otherwise, is that on one hand, this speaks to your your comment about the South Dakota State game, that that you think Iowa's going to win 
it sounds like in the 10 to 14 point range, but not necessarily cover that 15 and a half points. This is why I think it's tricky to trick, tricky to pick against the spread. You could be, you could watch that that game on Saturday and be like the entire game. This is how I envisioned this playing out. This is exactly, and you could be dead on. And that game could be 24-13 Iowa with two minutes left in the game. And then all of a sudden Iowa picks up a scoop and score on defense which with a bunch of second stringers out there and they score a touchdown to to cover the spread but you you were correct on your your analysis and projection of how the game would play out but you missed your pick and that's why I think actually picking the game straight up I will argue with anyone is I'm not saying it's more difficult it's not more difficult but the record for anybody predicting games straight up is more valid than it is picking against the spread. It's more of an indication of skill. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Now your percentage should be much higher because obviously some of the games are, are gimmies. Well, I picked Hawaii to beat Vanderbilt. So what does that say about me? That says you don't know much about those two teams and it's a week zero game. And that's what happened. I picked North or Nebraska to beat Northwestern. And my second would be that while I do think that the Notre Dame line is ridiculous, I could not believe that Ohio State was like a 24 five-point favorite against Michigan State, who was in the top 10 last year, and Purdue, for as good as Purdue was. And they blew those point spreads out of the water. And I, I wouldn't, you know, I don't, do I know the the exact uh, math and, and the way, Vegas comes up with these odds. I don't. I mean, the Sharps certainly know more than I do. But, I mean, you, you, I, I would weigh the fact that Ohio State's probably got the – I don't think probably. I think they most definitely have the best offense in the country. At this point, if you're evaluating offenses, I think they have the best offense in the country. And so, I think it's natural to – and maybe they're not doing this, but don't you think it's, it's natural to favor them by more points because – Oh, it's a good point. Plays them close, yeah. yeah. Even if a team plays them close, th- their offense is so explosive that you you rattle off a couple quick scores, and yeah, all of a sudden it, it looks like yeah. it was a blowout. In reality, it wasn't. Yeah. Could be a really good twenty four twenty game entering the fourth quarter, and twenty four twenty becomes forty five twenty like that. Exactly. Versus yeah. the antithesis is Iowa, whose strengths is defense, and you can only you can only hold a team to zero. You can't go lower than zero. Whereas if you're a scorer then you can just keep adding and adding and adding. Right. And I said that in, in again, to put a plug in for, for my podcast, I said that about the Iowa Ohio state game projecting forward is I believe that game in Columbus could be close for a while, but similar to what the, that happened in the big 10 championship game last year. You know, if you can't produce any semblance of an, of a um, offense, you know, that defense is going to be working its tail off all game. And eventually, even if it breaks just a little bit, and we're talking about an Ohio State offense that I would say is in line to be much more explosive than Michigan's offense was last year. And Michigan put up 42 on that Iowa defense last year. So it can get away from you. I don't remember what my, I don't think we gave scores, but I could see like a 35 to 10 type of uh, result in Columbus. And that I'm not trying to rip on Iowa because I think it'd be probably, you know, most of the game, it might be, you know, 20 to 10 or, or 14 to 10 or 17 to 10, somewhere in there. And you kind of think, yeah. okay, you got a shot, got a shot, got a shot. But if the offense just never fires a shot, 
<laughs> then it won't matter. And eventually that defense is going to wear out. And you hope it doesn't. The good news is if we're, if you're talking about having there, let's hope that the offense, if you're from an Iowa perspective, let's hope the offense has made some big jumps. Do I believe it has? No. Okay. But let's hope it has. And, you know, if it hasn't, then at least we can say this. We're relying on a defense that is deeper than it was last year. And that gives me reason to believe that they can hang even closer in games like the Michigan game, like the Wisconsin game, like the Purdue game. Because when your offense isn't firing a shot, you have more bodies to throw in there and and guys aren't going to get gassed. So, again, hope the offense is better, but if not, you've got depth. The final team statistics aren't everything, and we've carved them up in the past that I've given indication as to why I'm not a huge believer in them, but I think they're a strong indicator what do you think Iowa's total offense ranking will be in college football this year coming off of number 123 last year? Oh man, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I actually thought about making a video on that. So make our predictions and, and, and see how close we are at the end of the year. Yeah. And if I made a, if I made a prediction on that, on a video, I would just be guessing. So I don't think it's probably worth the viewers time for me just to put out a five minute video with me guessing. You would it would be an educated guess. Well, but I don't know what everybody else is going to do. And I'll say this. They will improve. They were, I think, 123rd yeah. in total offense last year. I would say an educated guest would tell me that they're going to be around 95 to 100. Which you may say that's substantially better. But that's still really, that's still pretty bad. Yeah. I, I just don't. Right now, what? smirk <laughs> because it's like twenty percent better, but it's still bad. Mark, just tell me this: uh, what gives you reason? And I want to know. I believe me, I want. I I want to go on my post game show in a month and say, man, I was wrong about that offense. I was wrong about Brian Ferentz being the QB's coach. I was wrong about Spencer Petras or Alex Padilla or whoever's playing quarterback. The run game is just they're just pack of wild dogs and the defensive lines a pack of wild wolves but I, I don't know give me one thing that you can point to and i can point to one but you give me one thing that gives you reason for confidence with the iowa offense well mine's an educated guess on the ranking yours is a much more educated guess because obviously you're uh an iowa expert and i am not same quarterback lost the best center in the nation same top five tight end in the nation comes back, lose a really good special team slash receiver in Charlie Jones, uh, Nico. They did, Q- they did lose their QBs coach too. Ken O'Keefe retiring. Although he, you know, was that a good or a bad thing? We don't know. Brian Ferentz was promoted. Uh, there, there could be reason to believe that these, um, the two younger running backs, the two Williams boys that come in and showed us something against Kentucky will be an upgrade, slight upgrade at uh, running back. But other than that, I can't see one. I would say just the anomaly that 123 is way beyond what the talent is on the team and they just have to be better. So if I was pointing to something that is log- that logically gives you reason for hope, yep. I would point to the bigger backs and you, you brought that out uh, just the, the, you know, regardless of, okay, they're different bodies, but they're also bigger bodies, which I think fits the system better. Yeah. And I would point to John Budmeyer. Okay. I do think 
that's a fair point to bring up. The OC from Colorado State, who is a QB whisperer, you know, the fact that he's on staff now as an analyst. And by the way, we haven't talked about this. Did you see his salary? The USA Today, uh, Des Moines Register did a Freedom of Information request. He's getting paid, and I don't want to misquote them, but I believe he's getting paid 100000 for six months as an analyst. Mark, that's almost as much as – that's he, he was making – what was he making at? Um, I want to say he was making like three hundred, a little over three hundred thousand a year at Colorado State. So he's on pace. He's basically making two hundred thousand a year yeah. for his role. I mean, think about that. He's not making taking much of a pay cut. And he can't even coach per se. But anyways, that he would be at least someone I'd point to and say, okay, that could make a difference. The bigger bodies at running back could make a difference. But then you have to weigh the fact that yes, you lose Linderbaum. They've been ransacked with injuries at wide receiver. They lost their, their, uh, you know, Charlie Jones, who put the offense in great position time after time in the punt game and in the return game. Um, you know, they have Torrey Taylor back, which is good. But yeah, that's why I'd say, yeah, I think they'll get better because they have to get, but you can't get worse than 120. I mean, you could be 125, but I think logic tells you they'll get better. And those little adjustments, I think, will make a difference, but I still don't believe. You know, I'm not, you asked me, I wouldn't go out there and say that. What, what is your projection? Well, again, I'm counting more on, I'm just looking at the probabilities of statistical increase and other teams falling back. It's just, that's just likely. And so I, I think you're right there in the 95 range, but I would hope that they're, they would press on toward more like 75 or 80 range. Which is still not good. It's not good, but man, that's a. If they finish seventy five, that's that's almost fifty spots. Uh, listen, I'll be do. Listen, I will be doing cartwheels. All right, through the city of Ames, if that happens. All right, um, I will. And you know, do I believe it will happen? No, but uh, I'd I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to see it, and it would be great. I have nothing against Spencer Petrus as a person. Absolutely nothing. I don't really have a ton against him as a player. I, 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 as most people know, I, I blame the coaches for not developing guys. I just do. And, and he was a three to four star recruit by many pundits. Alex Padilla had an offer from Georgia. He was a, a fairly, fairly highly touted kid. Joey Labus has got some skills, and, and until they prove it, then I put most of the onus on the coaches. Iowa fans, if you're also interested about the rest of the Big Ten, and we see other fan bases represented here. I have launched a Big Ten podcast on the College Football Coast to Coast network there. You've got the link in the live chat. Big Ten Paradigm will be dropped each and every Monday. Catch Corey on from the Hawkeye of the Storm. And again, we'd like to thank our sponsor, Gene Arthur Insurance. Gene Arthur Associates, please uh, contact them for your home, auto, and all your insurance needs. The link is in the description section of all the videos and get your quote. All right. We will have a game in the books to analyze, which will be fun to do this time next Tuesday, 4:30 central folks, bring a friend or two or 50, and we will see you then.